Welcome to On the Edge with April Mahoney Brains. Here, this is the spot where the conversations are pointed, the guests are sharp, and the responses are never dull. Did you bring your thinking caps? Because it's time to put them on. Because the conversation starts now. Welcome to On the Edge with April Mahoney Brains. We are here at the spot where the conversation is pointed and the guests are sharp and the responses are never dull. And today we have Julianne Gumlick-Smith. And I am so glad to have her. We're going to talk about one of our maybe favorite or least favorite things is finance. The reason why I say finance is one of our least favorite things is because People don't know how to make money work for them. You know, I'm into a big kerfuffle with my daughter right now. I've taught her financial literacy, how to adjust the interest rates, how to save, how to invest, how to pay yourself first, how to have good credit. And it seems like it is landing on deaf ears. People don't want to take the responsibility. And with the in, uh, the ensuing increase in interest rates again, you better pay attention to this kind of stuff. Negotiating and leveraging your dollars is an absolute must. You want long-term uh, investments for when you retire. You may even want some short-term investments. Uh, you may even don't even understand what the stock market is or other vehicles like insurance and cryptocurrency. There's a whole lot of stuff under this big umbrella called finance. So we're going to touch the surface on some of those uh, because Julianne is an expert in her field. I'm so ha happy to have her here with us on the edge. How are you, Julianne Gumlick-Smith? Doing great, April. Thanks so much for having me. Well, I'm glad to have you and that little dog. <laughs> <laughs> He's at my feet, so he's, you know, my little silent companion right now, so. Let me see. Put him up here. I oh. want everybody to meet. Come here. Ah! Oh, my goodness. Oh, Hi. look at that little face. <laughs> look at that face. Oh, my God. Yeah. Tell us about your fur baby. Oh, he's a, a cavalier. I actually got him when he was about five years old, and um, we just oh, found you out got him when he was he was mature. You adopted him. Yeah, yeah. He was a little. He was a show baby. <laughs> oh. He was a little AKC champion, and um, yeah. So a breeder was moving to Montana, and she was downsizing. Um, downsizing their um dogs so i was lucky enough to bring him home with me so well what's his name his name is tyler hi tyler well he <laughs> is such a, a hero i love it thank you for sharing him with us <laughs> so tell us a little bit about you julianne and how you show up in the world all right we're just making sure tyler gets absolutely <laughs> comfortable Take care of the baby <laughs> so um my name is Julianne Gumlock-Smith, and I help women learn about personal finance and the stock market so they can gain confidence and clarity in managing their money. Um, I'm the founder of the Investment Academy for Women, where I combine my love of investing 
life coaching and technical analysis to um, make investing strategic and simple. And a little bit about me, I started trading stocks when I became a stay-at-home mom. Um, around that time, my husband was laid off, we moved our family, my youngest child was six months old, and I kind of became a stay-at-home mom overnight because daycare costs more money, more money than what I was going to make. Yes. My first career, I was a molecular biologist. Wow. So, you got a big yeah. <laughs> So, um, and what I found out, you know, I my father, he's a CPA. He came to me and said, you know, I got this information about investing. Do you want to go to the seminar? And I was like, ooh, you know, for some reason that really piqued my interest. You know, I hadn't really done that much investing prior to that. So I went to the seminar and I did um, education through a company called Invest Tools. They are now kind of under the umbrella of TD Ameritrade. And then, you know, started trading um, in the early morning hours when my kids were young. And what I found out is that that's when I felt most like myself. Um, it was my sanctuary. It was my sanity <laughs> when my kids were young. I mean, two, three o'clock in the morning, it would be me and my stock charts. <laughs> but, um, and I, during that time, I kept things kind of to myself. It was something my dad and I did together. So I would talk to him about it. But, you know, I didn't really talk to my friends about it or anything. It was just something that I did kind of on my own. And then wow. around, you know, maybe 10 years later, I was in not a big car accident, but a minor car accident enough that it kind of woke me up and said, um, you need to slow down. <laughs> you need to reassess your life. You need to make changes. So during that time, um, I decided to go on and, and pursue being a life coach. And during that training, you know, they talked to you about, oh, you got to find your niche, you know, who do you serve? And then, and I was really kind of struggling with it. Um, I had first um, did career changes, people who were, you know, going through career changes because I had some experience with that from being a molecular biologist to trading stocks and becoming a life coach. Um, but it didn't quite feel right. Like it was okay, but it, it, it was still like, mm, it's not quite right. And then I, for maybe for like a year, I did relationships because there was a time when my husband and I were separated and, um, so I had some insight into what you go through when you're separated and how you can bring that back together. And then, you know, that still didn't quite feel right. And then um, around that time, a lot of people that I knew either were being separated or going through a divorce. And when they would talk to me, they would always bring up money to me. <laughs> I don't know why, but, mm -hmm. you know, it would be someone who's never managed their money before or, you know, here's. You know, they don't know what to do with their retirement account from the divorce, or they just really didn't know how to manage their money because either they never had to, you know, you know, their partner had taken care of it. And now they're thrown into what do I do now? So that's when when I realized that was my life's purpose, that that's when I realized what I knew about the stock market and personal finance. Not everyone knew. I kind of assumed everyone did. And that, that no, has, yeah, that has shifted my, okay, this is what I meant to do. This is who I serve. 
Mm-hmm. And this is, I, and, and the questioning of what my life purpose has stopped now. So I don't, I don't question that anymore. It's more, how can I get this information out to people now? How can you serve? Well, I yeah. appreciate that because I want to touch on a couple of things that you said. Number one, bravo for being able to have the capacity to edit, filter, and shift mm-hmm. and scale. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. People don't have the courage to do that. They get stuck in a certain situation. They say, hey, you know, I've used my brain and molecular (laughs) biology, and that's all I'm good at is science and research. But they don't understand that there is still a lot that you have to offer. There you were at a particular point being a single mother. You still forged ahead. You tried a couple things. They didn't work, but you didn't give up. But then... In the totality of it all, you were able to put everything that you had learned and experienced evolve into the woman that you are today and to be able to coach other women. So bravo to you. I appreciate that. Um, You know, finance, I think, my personal opinion, it's a big $25 word. As I explained in the introduction, there's a lot of components. There's a lot of raindrops under that Mm -hmm. umbrella. Mm -hmm. And so... Let's just start with the basics. I would encourage people to start with basic financial terms. Take your top 10 terms. Mm -hmm. What is the S&P 500? What is the stock market? What is the Dow Industrial? Uh, Top traders. uh, And go from there. If you understand the terms, it's just like a foreign language. You're able to communicate, okay? Then I would suggest that you would go into, you know, what do you like? You know, what, what, are, what are some of the, the things that you like? That's like me. I've got a, a really, I'm so proud of myself, a pretty rich and diverse portfolio. Everything from artificial intelligence to railroads. <laughs> I look for companies that pay dividends. Um, I've even got penny stocks that I have seen explode. And so... That's fun. You can get into the the um, the market with not a lot of money. You want to look at your risk tolerance. How much of this money are you able to essentially gamble with? Because it is a gamble, but it's one that you need to hold, fold. You may not be like me and uh, Julianne that's up at two or three because I'm up with you. Two or three o'clock <laughs> in the morning before the stock market opens to have your trades in for the day. You can do this without a broker. But you need to be smart. So take a little bit of money and do it and then work from that. Work with people like Julianne when you're looking at big chunks of stuff because she's, you know, she's going to give you suggestions. We can't get ourselves in a liability and tell you specifically what to invest in because if it goes south, then you're looking at us with a side eye. Okay. Mm -hmm. But we can give you directions. We can give you what the market has projected. Listen to the Bloomberg report. You know, all these things are great. Let this be a part of the conversation. Tell us a little bit, uh, give us a few more suggestions. And you also have seven steps to financial success. Let's touch on that a bit. Yeah. So what I like to start off with people, um, it's a very simple step, but it's know where your money is. Sounds simple. So maybe this won't apply to you, but there are so many people they don't know where their previous IRA is from their 
previous employer. They never rolled it over. They think it's with that company or they have an old savings account that they never closed or they have, you know, money that was set aside when they were kids that they didn't know about. So I, I like people to begin with, you know, where your money is. Um, an example of this, uh, you know, I've had my husband recently, you know, we were reassessing our, looking at our financials and everything. And he, you know, usually handled his retirement and he was so sure, you know, I think I roll that over. I'm not sure. Sure enough, he, I was like, you gotta, you know, find this out. And it ended up being, he didn't roll everything over. He left a portion in that account that he would have never addressed. And it, I, I think it was like $4,000 when he first put it into the account and it was $18,000. Oh, yeah. So it's like, yeah, you gotta know where your money is. Um, it, yeah, people just, they just forget. Um, the other thing I find a lot with people is that they don't want to look at their debt. No. You know, they, they don't, I mean, there is so much fear and shame that I, I get feedback from with my clients. And, um, I like to say you own what you owe, just own it, just own it. it there's no shame. It is just data. It is just information. It does not define who you are. And the more you don't look at it, the more you can't do anything about it. The more you put it off another year of interest, another, you know, unattainable getting that under control. And then also when you don't look at your accounts, it, it your mind is already thinking about it. So it's taking up all this mental space um, that if people just. And but and it's causing stress and anxiety. Oh, yeah. No, I, no, I was you're getting done notices in the mail. Your credit right. is going bad. Uh, and again, if you pick up the phone and call these individuals, they're willing to negotiate. Mm -hmm. Really, they Absolutely. are. They want you off their books as much as you want to be off their right. books. I mean, interest rates now are just astronomical. I mean, I've seen like 27% this on past month on card. some of these. Yeah, on, on a on an in-store credit card. And I mean, that's really hard to get ahead of. Um, okay, while you're at, at that point, and I hate to interject, explain to people right now, what is interest rates? I know it in and out. People don't understand the cost of doing business, right. the cost of buying on right. credit. Right, yeah. So let's say you owe $100 on that credit card. By the end of the month, that'll be $125. If it was a 25% interest. And then yeah. when you pay $25, now it is an additional 25% on 75. So that interest is a cal calculating every month. Right, right. On those balance. And if you pay the minimal, you're still behind the eight ball. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's terrible. Step number three, I'm sorry. Oh, no, no. I just, uh, on that last point, there's a um, an investor called um, um, Scott um, Pape, and he talks about the physical stress on a body um, under that not dealing with debt is equivalent to torture. That is basically what they have found. The physical stress on people is equivalent to being tortured. Mm, mm, mm. Okay. Um, the 
The third one I like to also talk about is money mindset. You know, lots of us have things passed down from either our families or society or generational that, you know, it's it, not every family interacts with money the same way. So um, I think what I was told as a child was just like, like mortgage and car car payments are okay in debt, but everything else is not, <laughs> you know, but not everyone, you know. Well, and then this is a situation that I ran into was uh, my mother made money seem like it grew on trees and you could just walk and pick it off. It was not a problem. My father was tighter than Fort Knox. Mm. He could <laughs> go and he could feel whose face was on the bills in his pocket. He was so tight. So there was a lot of mixed messages there. So as I evolved in my own personal finance, I knew my father taught me about interest rates, uh, different type of currencies, you know, world kind. I was educated on that, but still I was a spendthrift because my mother made it seem like it was okay. And my mother only had an eighth grade education. She was smart, she was savvy, but she did not have the wherewithal and the bandwidth to really understand, you know, what the finances were. So long story short, I got into a, a kerfuffle myself and um, I wrote myself a letter to mm. my money mm. and my money wrote me back. And the dialogue in between there set me free. So I get I get the first th the first three steps automatically. Know where your money is. Mm -hmm. Look at your money and your money mindset. Money is nothing but a vehicle of exchange. It's energy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I like I like the thought shift of you know from people saying I can't afford that to shifting it to how can I afford that? Absolutely. You know, and it's it's really posing a problem to your mind that your mind wants to solve, you know, it really kind of opens you up to, you know, experimenting and, and being open to ways to have a better relationship with money. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know um, for a long time, my uh, money mindset was kind of um, actually kind of dark. I had a family friend who their family, um, contributed to a community center in our in our area and their name was up on the on the wall <laughs> and I remember standing there with my kids and I thought somehow I missed the boat so that was like my thought for like I don't know a good five years somehow I've missed the boat and or another one would be um, I would be on a carousel and you know you reach for the ring and I would always miss it you know I was you know always missing things and so I had to do a lot of, you know, catch my thoughts. It's sometimes, you know, it's kind of subconscious. You're, you don't always know you're having it. And so if you can just catch them, that, that can stop going down like a rabbit hole. And now um, when I have those thoughts, I like to think, why not me? So that kind of shifts, why not me? I always ask myself, how can I get any better than this? And what else mm. is possible? Mm -hmm. And I ask myself that regularly and often every day, no matter what it is, how can it get any better than this and what else is possible? Because you can you can shut down that negative chatter. But again, like you said, you have to catch it. 
Right. You got to say, oh, you know what? I've had this thought running through my mind a couple times today. What is the <laughs> root cause of this? How can I reframe it? You know, how can I go to bed tonight and set up the next day to be positive? Mm-hmm. So it's that neuro-linguistic programming. That's a, that's right, a key component right. to it, too. Right. I also, there's something Oprah said, I don't know, about a month ago. It was her uh, a mantra that she tells herself. And she had, um, the world is always working out for me. Mm. And I like that. Because, you know, you know, I being in the business, you can get discouraged, you know, if something doesn't work out or, you know, thing come up, I like to remind myself the world is always working for me, even though it might not look how you no, think right. it should and, be. And those obstacles are really your best teachers. You mm-hmm. know, as my mother would say, well, don't kill you, it only makes you stronger. You mm-hmm. know, so, yeah. But you have to look at those as a blessing because every opportunity is not the right opportunity. And sometimes when you're halted in the middle of that, you know, that's a warning sign. It gives you an opportunity to adjust. Mm-hmm. It gives you an opportunity to say no. No is mm-hmm. a, a complete sentence, Brains. Um, or, or to go full throttle and say, yes, you know, Julianne, sign me up for that. Let's go for it. Because it feels good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Where are we at? Are we on number? Okay. I think we're oh. on number four. Mm-hmm. So number four is um, getting a financial education. So you touched on this with your with your daughter. Um, is you know some states high schoolers are required to take like a personal finance course, but many are not required. So you kind of go out in the world not really knowing that much. I remember. When I wrote my first check, I, I signed my name in the wrong spot because I had never written a check before. Or, <laughs> I know nobody uses checks now, but you know, no, that, you know, I do, I, you know, I do, and it was the worst thing. It got lost in the mail. I, <laughs> it, was, it was crazy, but because you have checks, brains, or you had checks, doesn't necessarily mean you have money. <laughs> You can have, well, again, you know, people and the service charges that the bank charge you for an overdraft is criminal. It's yeah, criminal. I, yeah, I don't even, I don't even do that. Because you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll disclose on my daughter. She was learning. She ended up paying $37 for a cup of coffee. Oh, wow. She used her debit card. She was like, I guess she was with some friends and she was like $5 over. They charged her. They charged her an overdraft fee. Oh my God. Well, I went to the bank and disputed it with them, but I told her, I said, you have to understand, even with these debit debit cards, you have to know what you are spending. And if you have an automatic overdraft attached to that, Mm -hmm. you're not paying Mm -hmm. attention to what's going on. You can have yourself in a pickle at the end of the month. Mm -hmm. And that's that's how um, banks make their money. That's right. They are making it off you. They you're paying for their uh, cruise. So, <laughs> wow, that's, yeah. it, it was awful. So again, like you said, the education as far as you know the the terms, what this means, right. uh, looking at your statement, understanding what those charges actually are. You know, some banks even now charge a teller fee when you go inside the branch and you deal directly with the teller they charge you for that yeah i uh i try to do online banking um but i know there are circumstances that sometimes you need um a physical bank to go to um 
But with the financial education, you know, it gives you a foundation so you can have meaningful conversations, whether it be with your financial advisor, your family, your partner. Um, if you don't have really anything, found, well, if you don't know the language, that's actually, I. so there are plenty of personal finance courses out there. Um, what, what I like people to look for, I offer one, but, um, you know, I like people to have a personal finance section. I also like a section on learning the language of investing. And I, I like people to have an introduction to the stock market. I mean, it doesn't have to be all technical analysis and, you know, what's the MACD and the 50 day, you know, it doesn't have to be all that, but enough that you can have a meaningful conversation, like everyone's risk tolerance is different, you know, but if you don't have that background information, you're not going to be able to tweak what you want to do with your money without that basic information to move forward. Absolutely. I agree. Five. Yo, number five. I, I call it a freedom fund. I mean, lots of people call it different different things, but it, it's basically having three to six months of living expenses saved. So people I, have always said that, you know, and, and I get what you're saying. I don't mean to interject right in the middle of your thought, but there's somebody out there right now that's listening to this, Julianne, that's trying to get the next $60 to pay their life. Bill. Absolutely. Yep. And now with the great resignation, I don't know what people are doing. I really don't know what they're doing. They don't want to go to work. We were just talking in the green room about, you know, me getting, they told me it's a month before I could get my car service because they're low. They Nobody yeah. wants to work. What yeah. are they doing? I don't know. I don't know. You know, um, with that, uh, about half of the people in the U.S. Um, do not have $1,000 to cover an unexpected expense. Okay. No. And, 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 you know, you kind of make it biased. Oh, that doesn't apply to me, but, uh, uh, I, a company called, um, lending lending club did a survey of people, uh, making $250,000 or more. And a third of them live paycheck to paycheck. So they do not have the three to six months. And, you know, when I, I call it a freedom from, because I, you know, like I said, I was, kind of, you know, I was a molecular biologist and this, and so I was kind of like, I never wanted to be in a job that didn't serve me. And I never wanted my husband to be in a job that didn't serve him. I, I never wanted to feel trapped by a job, I guess. Um, so that's where that came about. And then when, you know, when my husband got laid off, we just had our second child, we have to move across the country you know, that's when my, <laughs> that little uh, three to six month savings went into place. It would have been a very, very different experience if we did not have that, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, very, I, I can't imagine, you know. It, it, and, it, and, I'll, and I'll tell you too, Brains, you know, I, I know, and uh, again, we are going to send a blessing to all of your finances uh, because here in California, where are you at again, Julianne? I'm in uh, Glen Allen, Virginia. Okay, you're in Virginia, so it's a little it's a little gentler than it is here in California. People are paying two thousand dollars for a one bedroom apartment. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And, uh, yeah. they, you know, or if you've got something decent, you're paying three thousand. So you need a roommate, 
and you need to be able to save. If it's a mortgage, for example, three months of that is $9,000. People are not just sitting on $9,000. You know, we're talking about your health insurance, your, your mm -hmm. car payments, your car insurance. It's not just the mortgage and the roof over your head. So you have to really, you know, you, you got to take this into consideration. You got to take this stuff seriously because we are all in one form or another, one paycheck short of being homeless. If you got a $3,500 mortgage. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, that three to six months can kind of feel a little overwhelming to begin with. So, you know, I like to break it up into smaller steps. So let's get that first hundred. Okay. That's a win. Let's get the next 50 after that, or another hundred, or, you know, just do it step by step. Because that, that, you know, when it, when you think, oh, I got to have $9,000 in the bank, that, that, that can be overwhelming and that cause you, causes you not to be in action about it. You know, it kind of keeps you stuck. Like I'm never going to be able to do that. But if you have a smaller goal, you know, $50, let's try 50, then a hundred and just keep on doing that little by little. And, and it, and again, it creates that momentum. And it creates um, your mind being open to different possibilities of where you can save or how you can, um, you know, bring in more income. Bring in more income, save and invest. I'm yeah. telling you, if, if you have a little bit, you can take a little bit, take a chance with it, invest. Mm -hmm. uh, your, your 401k is not your personal slush fund, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> That will tax you, okay? They want their taxes on the top. You will be penalized. So, you know, and sometimes you're going to have to do it. Don't get me wrong, okay? I've had to tap into mine in, in the past. Mm -hmm. But once I looked at the cost of doing business on that and the, the tax liability, I needed the money. I had to do that, and I was able to offset some other things so that it leveled out at the end of the year. But that's where financial planning comes in is how to negotiate that. Talk to a financial planner like Julianne and say, hey, you know what? I'm I'm sinking here. I'm going to have to do this. What do you think long term? How much of this? Don't you know, you got 20 grand. You don't need all 20 grand. If you need five, get six and leave that other 14 in there to work. Am I correct? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think um, the next one actually touches on that the investing part of it is is how to grow your money because um i think a lot of us have been taught to save 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 you know that's our mindset instead of grow 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 we are so adversely affected by risk that, that we we end up um being stuck where we are because we're not willing to make investments i mean i know right now it's hard I mean, I think the S&P 500, maybe it's down, I don't know, 18 to, I, I'd have to check it today, but you know, let's say it's, it's down 20% for the year. Um, so, but if you still continue, if you have um, a 401k matching account with your company, I like to tell people, you know, that's an easy way you can just double your money, you know, whatever they're contributing and what you contribute so even when the stock market is going down, you're doubling your money just from them kicking in a certain percentage. And and I like people that get certain things on autopilot. So recently I, you know, saw the movie Maverick, so Top Gun Maverick. So I have oh, a lot was, of 
It was yummy, wasn't it good? It was. It was so good. They have all these metaphors for uh, uh, um, autopilots and and things like that, but really, it's it, it's setting money aside every month and doing like an autopilot. You don't even see that money; it just goes to your retirement account or an investment account or your debt account that you need to build up to pay off credit card. And it's one of those, uh, there's a line in the movie, uh, don't think, just do. And that's what I want people, you know, if you're thinking about, oh, I should really do this. Again, it's taking up mind space. It it, it puts you into, um, you're not, you're thinking about it, but not doing it. it, it I want to shift people from thinking about it to doing it. And just having things on auto pay can really, really get you, not so much on auto I shouldn't say auto pay, but auto like investing. Mm. Um, right. Yeah. Because. And learn how to read your statement brains, you know, learn, learn. And me, everybody's different, but I invest in things I like, mm. you know, <laughs> uh, I invested in zoom long time ago. I invested in uh Canadian railroad long time ago, mm -hmm. utility stocks, Disney, mm -hmm. Walmart. So all those things. And again, I'm not saying that I've got thousands of shares, which I did, but when they pay a dividend, that's when they, they, they pay you out. I just automatically have that roll back in and reinvest it. Mm -hmm. And it just grows and grows and grows and grows. And it's so fun. You can sell something and buy something else. Take, take a chance. Again, you don't have to have, you know, a hundred thousand dollars or even a thousand dollars. You can start with a couple hundred see how it works for you, get the education, and then let that grow and keep flipping it. Right, mm -hmm. Julia? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Always start, you know, start small and you get a win. And that just, again, it builds the momentum. Builds momentum. But also have a financial uh, expert or counselor or coach. Look at what your current investment are investing in when it comes to mm -hmm. your 401k, mm -hmm. because that's your long-term. You know, are you in a small index fund? You know, understand what those terms are, what your risk tolerance is, how long is it going to be before you're retiring, what you're investing. And again, every company I've ever worked for, that's the first thing I did when I was eligible was to get that match. That's free money. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. You know? Yeah. Work for a company sometimes when you're applying for a job, um, you know, they have uh, IPOs, initial public offering. It's not even on the stock market yet. I worked for a, a company that did a minimally invasive spinal technology. Hmm. When it went uh, public, <laughs> I was happy. <laughs> I did Qualcomm. I was happy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've had some delicious ones. And what I've been able to do is that's why I was able to become an entrepreneur is because I was able to pull down those investments, that money, still pay the taxes on it, still live on it and still be happy. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um. So where are we at? Two, four, we're at number seven. Yeah, no, that number seven. Um. And my number seven is leaving a legacy. So, and I mean, I mean more than, oh yes, have a will, have a trust. But it, it again, it goes to um, how do you want people to remember how you interacted with money? What are you passing down to your family? Hmm. You know, is this, is this the legacy you want to leave for your children? 
Well, can I have a conversation with you, real time brains and Julianne? <laughs> Sometimes folks ain't worthy. Mm. And, and, and you know what? And I say this, and I'm talking to the black folks right now. Generational wealth is something that we are really focusing on as a culture and as a community. We were not afforded those luxuries back in the day during the slave trade. We got the sloppy seconds. When we got a piece of land or a piece of property, it was kept within the family. That was cherished. That was honored. I see so many of us that do not have a living will and trust, that have not made that little five to $700 investment to uh, make sure that it is kept in the family and that uh, Uncle Bobby and Aunt Susie and Cousin Kim come in and go in probate and the attorney gets everything and you get nothing. Mm-hmm. However, mm-hmm. when somebody is setting you up, you better appreciate it because mm-hmm. people are watching how you treat them when they are alive. They're not waiting for you to be dead. You know, I watch this show called Succession on Netflix. It's awesome sauce. These are people with tons of money, but they're looking at the interaction and how you treat the person that's setting up the legacy that's going to leave you the money. And I'm also looking at if you can't handle the money when I'm alive, I know you're going to run through it when I'm dead. So setting up this legacy, it's all great, but Take that very, very seriously. Because it could be somebody like, what's your dog's name? Tyler. <laughs> uh, the, oh. uh, the animal shelter. Mm-hmm. There are people that leave legacies, big chunks of money to nonprofit organizations. The, I used to work for the Red Cross. They, uh, they had legacies, uh, animal shelters, uh, women's shelters, uh, science and research, technology. There are other places to leave that legacy outside of some knucklehead that is going to not honor what you have set up. So as you teach your kids this, also, you know, have a watchful eye on that. I know that's kind of harsh, you know, but it's to me, you got to be careful with that. You work your entire life hoping to get to 65 because folks aren't making the 65 a lot. They're dying early. Uh, You work to your 65. To retire, you've put all this money away to give to someone else's ungrateful that's not going to use it properly, that don't doesn't know how to keep that legacy going. Legacy means long term, not just one generation, but generations that follow. You know, you look at the Hiltons, you know, you look at the Rockefellers, you know, these people have had money since money was invented and they keep passing it down, passing it down, passing it down but they also educate the people that is going to receive it. I'm sorry, that was, I didn't mean to be a Debbie Downer, but that is a situation that I'm seeing a lot with, uh, with, with our culture. We hear it all the time. Oh, generational wealth. And, you know, you know, black people don't, they don't set their families up. You know, they don't, they don't do that. Well, they do do it, but it's a contingency on how they do it. Or if they don't do it, they're not paying attention because grandma, worked day and night to get this piece of property, but never put it in a will and trust to keep it or what they're doing now. A lot of people, not just black folks, they're doing this reverse mortgage Mm. because times are so tough that what they're doing is they are, they've paid for this piece of property 
and now they want that property to work for them. And you can't blame it. The cost of medication, long-term care, all of these things. You know, we can't project what's going on. The The United States economy, I just came from Europe, is it's scary. It's scary. So when we look at that, we really need to work with someone like Julianne on these seven steps. Know where your money is. Look at your money. Your money mindset. Get an education. Have a freedom fund. Learn to invest. And create a legacy. Did I get an A on the test, teacher? Oh, that was excellent. Thank you, April. <laughs> Absolutely. So tell my brains, let, let's ask some fun facts about you, though, before nope. we conclude, because that's great. If you were a appliance in the kitchen, what appliance would you be and why? Um, I think I'm a warming oven. <laughs> oh, that's good. I think I'd like to create like a, a nice sanctuary and comfortable environment for people to work in. Um, I'm a little bit more nurturing. So yeah. I'd like to be a teapot. Because ah. <laughs> I like to spout off. <laughs> As you can tell. What would you tell a 25-year-old Julianne Gumlick Smith? I would tell them to start investing in their retirement account because compound interest is your friend. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, if you had three wishes, what would they be? Um, let's see. I really wish um, to have women more empowered around their finances that they do not have to worry about their future. So I, that, that education, that, that engagement with their money, that is one of my wishes. Um, second wish, um, pay for college for my kids. <laughs> right. And, um, third is I wish somebody would, um, invent or do heart surgery on dogs for valve problems because my little Tyler has, has um, valve issues that I wish they would do such surgeries on my dog. Well, somebody might leave a legacy. <laughs> <laughs> they just might leave a legacy. What do you want your legacy to be? I, I really, it goes back to the empowerment. I very much want people to be educated and interact with their money, that it's not scary that, um, to be able to, um, you know, money is, is energy. Like, like you have said, um, that they, they can have a good relationship with money that, um, there's enough money for everyone just because one person is financially successful does not take away from you being able to be financially successful, that there's enough success for everyone. They print money every day, brains, every single day. So you have to be creative. You have to be open. You have to be honest and you have to be grateful and you have to share. Yes. You have to share. Yeah. Great. Um, I have a little grateful tree that I put leaves on every day for things that I'm grateful for. Yeah. Exactly. You know, because gratitude is latitude and it will change your attitude, mm. you know? The universe is looking at us and saying, hey, you know what, if I entrust Julianne with this, you know, billion dollars, what is she going to do? Is she going to save the planet? Is she going to save the animals? Is she going to give to the overlooked and underserved? What are you going to do with this or just sit on it like lunch meat? Mm -hmm. You know, so 
All of this is being watched, it's being measured, it's being monitored, and it's something you can care about. And you don't have to be afraid. Look at all of the people. One of my favorite books, and I listen to it, I'm listening to the end of it right now, is Think and Grow Rich. Mm. Napoleon Hill, you can't go wrong. I don't care if you listen to it one time. Every time you listen to it, there's a little nugget. Mm. There's a little nugget. And I think they just did it in a movie or they've done it on Netflix or something like that. But it is one of my favorite. It's so simplistic. And it just tells you how to really set your mind towards this thing called money. Because once upon a time, they used feathers and they used beans and they used puka shells. All right. of these other things were a form of currency. Money is currency. Understand mm -hmm. different currencies. The euro, the ruple, the the pound, the, um, uh, the, God, yen. the, the yen, absolutely. <laughs> and understand what the differentiation is, the dollar that we're using versus how it converts. You know, I was amazed. I was just in Europe and it was pretty, the euro was pretty equal to the dollar. Yeah. You could still buy something, Julianne, for a euro. <laughs> Here, again, I was telling my brains, you can't do anything for less than $2.50. Mm. <laughs> you know, so we have to pay attention to that. How are we going to make this money stretch? And you have done a fantastic job of coming up with these steps and, you know, going back and forth with me from your experience and my experience, because I don't have a, you know, a degree in this. I didn't go to all the courses, but I did go through the school of hard knocks. And so I know exactly what it is. And I know how to make a dollar out of 15 cents. That's the hustler in me. Mm -hmm. I know how to make it happen. I know how to make it safe, but I also know how to share it. Thank you for sharing your wisdom. Please tell my brains how to get in contact with you. If you have any current programs or offerings that they can tap into you, because um, you're definitely a well of information. Yes. So um, I can be contacted through my website. It's called the Investment Academy for Women. And I have an upcoming course called Investing 101 for Women, how to go from clueless to confident with your investing. And yeah, that's the best way to get in contact with me. Well, it sounds like it's a whole lot of fun. I'm going to put all that information in the show notes. Please keep us posted. If you, you know, maybe you'll do a workbook for us. Maybe you have an online program, uh, another one. You need a beta group. You need some people to try it out. We definitely are there for you. Here on the edge, Brains, I need you to love, like, and share love like share and subscribe to julianne as well as on the edge with april mahoney so we can keep this information fluid we can keep it current um you can understand you'll get an education on financial terms and you know what you'll have some peace of mind and able to go to sleep at night because you actually looked at it and decided to take action thank you so much julianne you are the thank best. you thanks bye brains bye tyler <laughs>